Last weekend marked the 45th Mardi Gras Parade in Sydney and the original marches, known as the 78ers, led the festivities. Australia's LGBTQI plus community owes much to their courage. They lived quite different lives to people of diverse sexualities and genders today and they fought hard to get us to a better place. But as they age, how well are we placed to care for them, the first generation to, in the main, openly age LGBTQI+. If you identify as gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender or as part of another gender or sexuality diverse community, what's been your experience trying to access aged care support and services that's right for you? Mark Hughes is a professor of social work at Southern Cross University studying health and well-being in LGBTQ plus ageing communities. Mark, welcome. Hi, Hilary. How are you? Great. Good to have you with us. And Corey Earlham is Deputy Chief Executive for COTA, the Council on the Ageing Australia. Australia. Corey, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Hilary. Mark Hughes, I'll start with you. How are LGBTQ plus communities ageing? What, what kind of societal issues are they facing that might be different to their cisgender or straight peers? Um, thanks, Laurie. Um, so I think generally um, the messages are somewhat positive in the sense that um, people do express a high degree of resilience as they grow older and often they reflect back on their younger years and feel that things are a little bit better for them later in life. Um, and perhaps that's because of, the, you know, the societal changes we've seen over the last 20 or 30 years, some of the improvements we've seen, um, and perhaps also because people have overcome really significant obstacles in their life um, they've developed a degree of resilience later in life. Um, but I think the, the reality of having lived one's life uh, in a transphobic and homophobic society has had really significant consequences for older LGBTQ plus people. Um, and we see this particularly in terms of health and social disparities. Um, for example, me mental illness, um, uh, social isolation and loneliness are all higher amongst LGBTQ plus older people than the general older population. Um, so while there have been there are some positive messages. Um, there are some still significant challenges and uh, certainly discrimination still exists and the impact of past experiences of discrimination uh, continue to impact on people in terms of accessing um, services. Well, indeed. And Corey Earlham, we, we mentioned that, you know, this is the first generation to, in the main, age openly LGBTQ+. But are there still older people who aren't comfortable being open about their sexuality as they start needing aged care services? Oh, absolutely, Hilary. I think one of the things we need to recognise is that people going to aged care and access the aged care system once in their life. Uh, and so they, they walk in with a, a range of preconceptions of what that service is going to be like. Often the thing that they experienced in their youth, you know, the smell that they had when they visit their great auntie in aged care, they assume it's still like that 40 years later. It's very different now. And so for gay and lesbian, bi, transgender, intersex people going into aged care, uh, particularly where they've been run by a faith-based organisation, there's an assumption that that organisation is going to be discriminatory like the, the, the parent church was to them back in the 80s or 90s. And so uh, there's an onus on a lot of aged care providers to constantly have to promote their inclusive practices. And it's great to see that they are more inclusive in the last 10 years uh, since this has been started to be talked about. Uh, predominantly in the aged care sector but unfortunately that's um, been heard by the people just going in and then next week there's some more people coming in and they need to hear it as well. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about ageism and, and the particular impacts it might have on people from uh, diverse, gender diverse and sexuality diverse communities. Mark Hughes, you've written about how older LGBT plus people can feel isolated or alienated by uh, events like World Pride even and the wider cultural uptake of LGBTQ plus culture. Can you expand on that a bit for us? Um, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess the concerns are about people who are quite isolated, um, living alone and experiencing a high degree of loneliness. And um, amongst those people, um, it, uh, loneliness, for example, is more common amongst people who are uncomfortable or not don't have positive attitudes towards their own sexuality or who are disconnected from LGBTQ plus communities. And so I think for people who are in that situation, I think we need to think carefully about how they might respond to the visible images of World Pride uh, on the TV and in the in the media, um, and just pay attention to what their experiences might be like. Um, for some people, it might reinforce a sense of community and connection, and and perhaps help them even think about reaching out for supports. Um, but for others, it might be possible that it kind of reinforces their sense of isolation and dis disconnection. Um, so I think we just need to be aware of how people might experience um, uh, the communities, in particularly in a very celebratory event like this, and think about what it means for people who are experiencing significant loneliness. Well, then, if we if we expand that to include ageism more generally in the in the general community, uh, are mm. there particular impacts on gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, older Australians? Um, well, I think ageism impacts people differently depending on their context. So often people talk about intersectionality. So for uh, lesbian women and, and bisexual women, often their ageism is connected to their gender. So um, the ageism that they might experience and gender-based discrimination that they might experience as an older person in the workforce, um, for example. Um, for gay and bisexual men, uh, sometimes the experience of ageism is actually found within the queer communities, um, particularly in the commercial gay scene, um, where there's a focus on sort of youth-centric um, body consciousness. Um, so people can sometimes feel disconnected in those contexts, as might um, people with disabilities and, and people from diverse uh, cultural backgrounds. So I think when thinking about ageism for our communities, it's important to think about the different dimensions of people's lives and how that intersects to create um, disadvantage in different kinds of situations and contexts. And it can be quite different for different groups of LGBTQ plus people. Well, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll get into a bit more of the, the detail about, you know, particular needs within aged care because, as you say, I mean, this mm -hmm. is a huge uh, range of experiences, life experiences and, and needs. Uh, Mark Hughes, yeah. we're speaking with at the moment, is a professor of social work at Southern Cross University studying health and wellbeing in LGBTQ plus ageing communities. And Corey Earlham is our guest too, Deputy Chief Executive for COTA, the Council on the Ageing Australia. Uh, Corey, what are some of the largest barriers to older LGBT plus people receiving appropriate aged care? Does it start, you know, with the intake forms or, or even earlier? Oh, look, I think it starts with the fact that many uh, people don't want to go into aged care, uh, particularly if they're LGBTI and, and feeling that they're going to be discriminated against. So if there's not that positive outreach uh, affirming that we are welcoming here, that we want to see you come into it, then there's a barrier before you even start. Once they actually put their hand up and they go in, then, yeah, we're talking about forms. You know, does is there an option to put a same-sex partner? Is it marital status uh, that, that, that identifies who that person is? Is there something that identifies a 
gender other than male or female on that intake form. Those little small things that, you know, people go, oh, data, it doesn't really matter. But it sends a very visceral signal to somebody who's looking for that sense of inclusion, that somebody's walking the talk, if you like. Yes, indeed. Uh, text message has just popped in. I'll read it to you. It's pretty moving. Most of us queer who have needed to live in a hetero world because it's the norm and dominant. And so I've withdrawn from society and I live away from the fear of being myself without threat. I don't think in this world there is a model going forward like a model of the past. I live alone because of my sexuality. Love to hear your experiences, whether it's about accessing aged care services in your home or residential aged care services. Perhaps there's been confusion about who your partner is, what your identity is, what your needs are, or perhaps you've had a really good experience. Tell us what made that difference for you. 0418 Diane Jones is a facility manager for Hepburn House in Dalesford in Victoria. It is a rainbow accredited aged care facility creating an in the process of creating an LGBTQI plus specific residence within their facility. Diane, welcome. Oh, welcome. Hello. How are you? Great. Now tell us about Hepburn House and and what it means to be rainbow accredited. Um, Well, rainbow accredited was something that we saw when I first moved here because of the demographics of Dalesford being a large LGBTQI community and the needs of the community. Um, Rainbow Tick Accredited is a is a, a large process. Like we had to get in community engagement with the process. I had to form, to start with an ageing with pride committee from the community, making decisions about how we were going to go forward with with this. Um, and and in the process, you know, it is it is forms as well, but it's also all of your HR work, all of your, you know, labelling, all of your advertisements, everything is to indicate, you know, to tell people we are an LGBTQI plus inclusive facility. And at the interview process, all staff are interviewed. A lot of our staff are from that community, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, everybody's trained and there's everybody's accepting of, you know, the community. So it's good. Yeah, I was wondering um, about the, the training process. What kinds of things are, are people kind of explicitly trained in to, to build on that, uh, it sounds like that, uh, um, existing awareness? Oh, well, you know, we have transgender um, Victoria's given training here. I also have a regular trainer who's Yvonne Solette. She was discriminated when she was in the army and she's got a really – she. Um, recently presented at the Royal Commission. So she does a lot of training here and all, all the staff come and listen to her story, her s- story of, you know, what it was like to be discriminated against as a lo- as a, a young LGBTQI woman. And, and you know, it's it builds up an empathy with staff. We also have a lot of staff that are from the community. So we've got the foundation there. Um, and our extension, you said, it's, it's not actually specific LGBTQI+, and this is with consultation with the communities and friends. So when anybody comes to go into our new 30-bed, which is going to be magnificent, the same process is I say to them, you know, this is going to be a LGBTQI plus friendly wing. Aha. So it's up to them to decide, you know, if they want to live there or not, because mm. we don't want 
people from the community coming in being discriminated against because of their history of discrimination. Mm. Well, and that, that wing has been co-designed with community members. How did that process go? What, what kind of uh, changes and, and shaping did they put in? Oh, well, it was, it was mainly, um, you know, like how we're going to engage the community more in that wing. Um, it was about the signage that's needed, the education for staff. That The whole rainbow tick accreditation process actually was all-encompassing of it. And it was driven by, really, the demographics of Dowsford. We've got a very big LGBTQI ageing community here. And people coming into aged care need to be safe, need to know that they're going to be safe. They're not going to be discriminated against. So it was all a part of that process. Initially, um, we needed a 15-bed area built for residents specific with dementia and then you know it was decided to extend further because that need was identified through the rainbow tick process. Mm. And Diane has there been a lot of interest in the new wing? Oh yeah there has and it's going to be beautiful like it's really it's really quite good I mean and we don't envisage you know it's going to be a long-term LGBT QI wing because the whole wing will be welcoming. The Mm. whole facility is welcoming. But, you know, we have to have it that people know that they're safe coming in. Yes, indeed. Diane, thanks so much for giving us a little window into the the wing. When's it due to be complete? Um, Well, August to start. August it will be completed, but we probably won't be accepting admissions into the LGBTQI wing until next year we'll be um, filling up the dementia unit first. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of need in the community. Diane Jones, great to have you with us on the program. Thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. Diane's the Facility Manager for Hepburn House in Dalesford in Victoria where they're building the Rainbow Accredited uh, Wing, the Rainbow Wing, and they are a Rainbow Accredited Aged Care Facility. Love to hear your thoughts on this. If you are ageing queer, if you are from a gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, intersex community or another gender diverse, sexuality diverse community, what's been your experience or what perhaps are your anxieties around accessing support? Support as you age. Uh, next of kin, says Margaret, has old-fashioned legal standards. Another says, check out Bent Twig Alliance on Facebook and also Val's Cafe, both age activists for the LGBTQI plus community. And Sue says, can you discuss the issue that a high number of aged care facilities are owned or run by various religions which don't accept LGBTQI values or lifestyle? Corey Earlham from COTA, Council on the Ageing Australia, what is uh, your understanding of, of how that works in aged care in Australia with Sue's concern? Yeah, look, I think um, it, it's a valid concern to have and it's one that many in the community have when they walk into aged care. What I would encourage you to do, though, is to talk to your local religi- uh, faith-based run aged care facility about their stance. What we find is that many of them, particularly at that local facility level, just want to provide the best care that they can. They want to be accepting and welcoming. And some of them have even started to do the rainbow tick you just were talking about. Okay, so is there a set of standards, a framework for making sure a place is inclusive? 
Yeah, so there's not standards yet. There's a there's a thing called the LGBTI Ageing and Aged Care Action Plan, which expires this year in 22. Uh, the federal government uh, will be looking at whether or not they uh, extend a new one into 23. Uh, last year, they introduced um, some requirements for myagecare.gov.au that you can use to find local facilities to make sure that people who are ticking the fact that they're LGBTI inclusive have done some level of accreditation. So that's a step in the right direction. But there's not a nationally consistent standard yet that says I'm I'm LGBTI inclusive and these are the requirements of it. I'll also point out, though, there's not one for called, there's not one for Indigenous. So there's a bit of a step to go to get that consistency, but we're certainly on the wrong on the right path toward getting there. With us too today is Mark Hughes, Professor of Social Work at Southern Cross University, studying health and wellbeing in uh, LGBTQ plus communities as they age. Mark, we heard before from Diane about um, training up staff and having some staff from diverse backgrounds. Is it necessary to have a gender diverse staff or, or is the policies and training more important? Um, well, I, I think, as um, as Diane mentioned, I think whole of organisation change is important. So it's about looking at the whole organisation from the leadership through to the staffing, uh, through to the policies and practices of the organisation, and really um, making sure that those are uh, gender and sexually diverse inclusive. And, um, and so that the organisation becomes an ally with LGBTQ plus communities. I think there is a particular issue in terms of the aged care workforce. So um, the aged care workforce, particularly the personal care workforce, is made up of people who are, it's a highly casualised workforce. Um, people are often new migrants. Um, there's a high turnover of staff and people typically have fairly low levels of qualification. So I think there needs to be an investment of resources and skills um, to support those people to train up to provide inclusive care. Um, so I think there's a whole range of things that need to go into um, uh, supporting residential care services to become uh, gender and sexually diverse and inclusive. So and I think... Yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the point that Corey made earlier, I think it's the fear that can be quite debilitating for people. So people have experienced discrimination in the past. Sometimes they do continue to experience discrimination and that fear of future discrimination can lead to people delaying seeking support, delaying accessing treatment and certainly uh, lead to concerns about accessing residential aged care. There's a, just an incredible range of stories coming through on the text line. That number is 0418-226-576. I'll just read this one out to you. I do volunteer volunteer work providing social and community contact with elder LGBTQI plus people, some in aged care, some in social housing. And the, the person goes on, my gay male clients have experienced a history hardly known to me. One was forced to give evidence against his long-term partner to gain immunity from prosecution when being gay was a crime punishable with up to 14 years jail. This law was only removed in New South Wales in 1984. Many have stories about police entrapment and harassment and horrific stories of persecution by churches it's no surprise, therefore, that in aged care they often go back into the closet. My volunteer work is to hear their stories and to make them feel comfortable with being themselves in their stage of life. Mark, how far have we still got to go to make sure that all the services that people might access 
are aware of this hidden history that might be boiling under the surface. I mean, I was reading about one bisexual man who went into aged care and was married at the time to a woman, but later on, as the years passed, started a relationship with a man and and they, they became isolated within the community because they didn't feel comfortable and were worried about the the reactions they might get if they if they came out. I mean, and that facility sounded like it handled it really well. It talked to them and said, Lana, you're, you're welcome here. It's, it's fine. You can come on the outings. But I imagine there must be a lot of people in that situation. Yeah, and, and look, Hilary, there's a there's a lot of work um, still to happen in that space. And one of the one of the concerns that people have had for a long time is the invisibility of LGBTQ plus people in residential aged care and in retirement living um, more broadly. Um, so, and and that that relates to partly the fear of disclosure um, and the consequences of disclosure. It also relates to staff attitudes that mm. staff may not be thinking about people's gender and sexuality when they're providing care and also sometimes there's an attitude of oh we're kind of treating everybody the same which if you treat everyone the same then the diversity becomes invisible um so we there has been a long-standing concern about the invisibility of lgbtq plus people um, when receiving services yes indeed and this is fantastic text from veronica in canberra i'm in a gay and lesbian ukulele band that's doing free outreach gigs in aged care i cannot wait to be in that facility veronica and she says last time a resident came up to us afterwards so excited saying she was one of us and it reminded us all of how important it is to be visible in aged care as you just heard from mark hughes corey uh, are we seeing a rise in lgbtq plus specific aged care services and is that something that would be helpful or is it better to go along the path that, that Diane's going along in Hepburn House, just saying all the facilities will be inclusive and welcoming? I think you need a mix of both. So what Diane's doing is she's creating a cl- an inclusive environment across her facility and she's creating a targeted wing for the community, which really sends a signal of we really want you to come here. But I think one of the really important things about ageing fabulously is that this is not all about services. What you just heard there was a community group going into an aged care facility. Um, we met yesterday with a bunch of older people before the Sydney World Pride to talk about what they wanted to see out of the Human Rights Conference. And they said, we want spaces and opportunities, not just services. We want respect for the work elders did to create the freedoms that people enjoy today. We want a community and a place. So it's really important to remember along that spectrum of ageing, yes, you might need aged care towards the end of the spectrum, but we have to create safe environments beforehand. One of the gentlemen talks about his radical idea that once a month he'll go out into the middle of a gay club and go dancing with his silver hair because there's not (laughs) enough visibility of older men in that environment. So we just need to make sure we're thinking not just about the aged care spectrum, but also about how we create an inclusive community for older people as well. Yes, indeed. Silver Fox in the house. Great to chat to you both today. Really important topic. Thank you both so much for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Hilary. Corey Earlham is Deputy Chief Executive for COTA, Council on the Ageing Australia. Mark Hughes is a Professor of Social Work at Southern Cross University studying health and wellbeing in LGBTQ plus ageing communities. And you heard earlier too from Diane Jones from Hepburn House in Dalesford in Victoria, a rainbow accredited aged care facility. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.